When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and lobby with Mary-Kate Cabot, Ashley Bastock. We are continuing our look at 23 Browns questions here on the podcast. And today we are going to talk a little bit of linebacker. Ashley, uh, as we're recording this here on Thursday, your 23 questions post went up today. So give us some background. What was your question? Yeah, so my question, and I feel like this is a topic I have examined quite a bit. It's just the way that it's worked out over the last, like, eight or so months. It's, can the Browns count on linebackers returning from season-ending injuries? And just to remind folks, I mean, if you blinked last year, you probably missed a linebacker suffering a season-ending injury, unfortunately. They kind of came pretty fast and furious. I mean, the, the one that folks probably remember the most is, Anthony Walker Jr.'s, he ruptured his quad tendon uh, in that week three night game against the Steelers at home. Four weeks later, his replacement, Jacob Phillips, went down against the Ravens in Baltimore. He tore his left pec muscle and was out for the year. The really unfortunate one came when Sione Takitaki, who had been having a breakout year, was filling in really admirably for those guys at the middle linebacker spot, which isn't his natural position. He tore his ACL on a special teams play against the Texans. The next week, it was JOK. He suffered the foot injury against the Bengals. He never came back after that. Um, and then the last one, which season-ending injury by definition, but it came two weeks before the season actually ended. Jordan Kanasik hurt his hand. Now, all five of those guys are back. Three of them were under contract. They got Kanasik and AWOC back in free agency. But I think this was a position group a lot of people looked at and expected them to add to it in the draft. And they didn't really like the only guy they brought in is Matthew Adams, who we know is more of like one of those special teams aces for Bubba Ventrone more than anything. Um, obviously, with how injuries have plagued the room, who knows what kind of role he might play in defensive snaps. But I do think it is interesting that they've kind of decided to stand pat with this room as it is, even though there were so many season ending injuries. Mary Kay, let's. Let's start here. We get this question all the time on Hey Mary Kate. One of our tech subscribers loves to talk about linebackers. Um, it's a very Browns thing. I mean, linebackers and Browns, they, they kind of go together. You think about the, when you think about defense, you think about linebackers. Um, a lot of our texters, when they ask about linebackers, want to know, one, have the Browns done enough to address the position? And two, how is the position going to look under Jim Schwartz? So, Look, the answer to the first is they've done what they're going to do. I don't think they're going to do much more. This is how they view the position. But how is this How is this group going to look under Jim? And am I wrong? Is there a chance that they maybe could add somebody? If they do add somebody, it would sort of be, you know, a back end of the roster kind of guy, a depth player. So I don't think they're clamoring for another linebacker right now. And there are a few reasons for that. First of all, uh, they do believe that most of these guys will be able to come back healthy. Um, 
Most of them are on the mend. Not all of them will be fully ready for training camp. Some of them are going to be ramping up into training camp a little bit. Um, But for the most part, I think they feel like they have enough bodies there. But part of the reason that they feel okay about the whole situation is that they're not going to be playing three linebackers all that much. I mean, we're hearing about different things that they're going to be doing with their alignments. There will be five down linemen. There will be three safeties. So, you know, I I don't even know what the percentage will be when we look out there and see three linebackers. And then you've got a player like Obo Okoronkwo who can also uh, take a step back there and play some linebacker for you. So, um, and Z can do that too, right? I mean, you know, they can do some different things with, um, you know, with that crew. And I think they will. I think this defense, Jim Schwartz's defense is all about versatility. And so, you know, they'll get their best guys on the field, however they can. And if they're linebackers, fine. If they're not, I don't think they're overly concerned about the name of the position. Ashley, what do you think this position looks like on, under Jim? And does it kind of suit some? I mean, I think it, based I on think what it we does. know, I think it suits some of these guys. What, what do you think this looks like? Yeah, so I, I think what I've kind of come to envision the linebackers as in this system is like they're kind of the cleanup men. And I thought um, Jason Tarver, the linebackers coach, said it perfectly at minicamp. And I have this quote in the story, but for our listeners, he says, the guys rushing forward, whether we're involved in a blitz or whether it's the 4D linemen, their job is to mess stuff up wreck things. Our job is to fix it. So I kind of view them as cleaning stuff up. If somebody gets away from them, if, you know, they kind of lose track of a running play, the linebackers are watching and reacting because up front it's see quarterback, get quarterback. So it's a little bit different. Um, And I also think, you know, this suits, and I wrote this, it suits guys really well. I think like JOK, Taki Taki, um, even like a Tony Fields, who we've referred to as almost like a JOK light, who kind of have that sideline to sideline ability. I think Taki Taki showed off the way that his speed has gotten better and he's been able to read and react. And even for me, like Anthony Walker Jr., who's so good at communicating, who I think was, you know, having maybe the best year in that room before he got hurt. He's great at communicating. He's great against the run. I think this system really suits him. But I think when you talk about them not adding to the room, it's not just, okay, we have guys who we think can play these roles really well already. We've talked about this on other podcasts. I think it's also the fact there's going to be a lot of times in this defense where we see only two linebackers out there. And, you know, maybe they'll have five down D linemen. Maybe they'll have Oboe lining up like a linebacker. Maybe they'll have an extra safety out there in the three safety looks. And maybe the linebackers are the position group that's going to have one guy subtracted so that they can do those different things. So I do think it's just kind of the athleticism of the guys they have in that room that that reading and reacting is what is most important, I think, from what we've seen so far. So Mary-Kate, you know, I felt like last year it was just every week it was the same thing. It was like, Guys need to find their fits. Guys need to find their lanes. And it was just, it felt like, it really did feel like things were being overthought last year. Like, guys were thinking too much. They weren't reacting enough. I mean, I know every every time a new defensive coordinator comes in, it, it's, it feels like, well, we're going to play faster. We're going to think less, all of that. This feels real to me. Like, this, this isn't going to be as much as, of, like, this is where you're supposed to be and when you're supposed to be there. It's... That, that old Greg Williams, see ball, get ball. Yeah, I think so. And however it, it shakes out, 
I think it's the commands and the mandates will be much simpler than they have been in the past. There was a lot of confusion last year. A lot of guys didn't exactly know the assignment. I think they'll know the assignment this year. And even though for the linebackers, the assignment will probably be a little bit more nebulous than it will be for the down linemen because we know what they have to do and they know what they have to do. And, you know, they just have to get to the quarterback. The linebackers have to kind of figure it out on the fly. Um, But the game has slowed down for a number of them to the point where they should be able to do that uh, fairly well. Um, Anthony Walker, so experienced, he can handle that sort of thing. Sione Takitaki, the game has slowed down for him. Uh, Jason Tarver talked about uh, JOK, kind of knowing his run fits, knowing where to be and when to be there and getting a feel for the field and the game. Um, so I think he needs to take a little step up in that regard. Um, Jacob Phillips, probably the same for him because he hasn't been on the field that much because of injuries, even though he's been around for a long time. But for the most part, I think these guys uh, should be able to adapt pretty well to a simplified defensive scheme. Yeah, Ashley. I mean, you know, obviously, look, there will be assignments, there will be fits, but it just feels like so it's just going to be so much easier for this defense to, to kind of eat off what that front does. Right. I mean, I think if you're allowing the front to just go and get the quarterback, it kind of allows you to just simplify everything, really, because it does become about, okay, are those guys up front getting to the quarterback? And what can we do, you know, after that initial rush is made? So I do just think it it becomes more simplified, which is something that guys talked about feeling like they needed last year, which I, I admit at the time it was kind of concerning for me to be hearing that and hearing them shortening the menu and, and making things easier as the season wore on. Because if anything, you would think, well, a lot of these guys are back. Like, shouldn't they be adding to the menu and making things a bit more complicated? But I will say right now, it's like I get where Jim Schwartz is going and kind of that old school mentality a little bit mixed with like his belief on analytically what is best when it comes to stopping offenses. And he's been really clear about that, that you don't want to start by relying on your secondary because of what passing offenses look like now, because of how DPI is called. All that stuff, it has to start by putting pressure up front, and then it's like a domino effect, ideally. Okay, we're going to take a break, and I got a couple more linebacker questions for you guys on the other side. Back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby, Mary Jane Cabot, Ashley Bastock. A little bit shorter pod for you today. Uh, Pull back the curtain a little bit. We've been actually going on now what Mary Kay three and a half hours of, of potting yes. here so far today. Now for Buckeye talk, that's like a Tuesday, but for us, that's, that's a lot of, of potting. Um, that's the a good Tuesday news is off season for Buckeye talk. <laughs> yeah, Let's right. say that. Not we're in almost, season. We're almost at four. five hours. Almost <laughs> a four. Yeah. So, and then we're going to do one more after this too. So, um, but the reason I bring that up is because we've got some pods coming your way here in the next few weeks um, that we've we've banked. Uh, we're going to be trying to squeeze in a little time off, all of us, before training camp starts so that we can give you some great coverage once that gets going. But we're not going anywhere. We're going to have our quarterback draft. We're going to have our coach draft. We have an AFC North position group draft. Those are all going to be coming up over the coming weeks. We worked with our Strictly Stripes guys, uh, our Bengals reporters, to get some of those done. So a couple of these pods here uh, towards the end of this week, early next week are a little bit shorter. Uh, that's why. Okay. Back to some linebacker talk, Mary Kay. The investment in defensive tackle 
Dalvin Tomlinson big money. You draft Siaki Ika. You're hoping Jordan Elliott maybe takes a leap under Jim Schwartz. Um, whoever else kind of grabs those. Ashley, you wrote about Mo Hurst. Um, Tristan Hill, a veteran they brought in. How much does that investment help? And, and you know, let's include Sedarius Smith in this as well, because we know he'll be playing inside a, a pretty good amount. How much does that investment help the linebackers? Oh, I think it helps them tremendously. Um, if you have guys up front that can set the edge and also, uh, you know, be stout in the middle, which really hasn't been the case very much over the past how many ever years, uh, that will help the linebackers tremendously. There won't be as much of a mess to clean up if those guys up front are doing their job. And as we've mentioned before, uh, you know, some of those guys can also help out at linebacker. So I, I, it should all work out. The only question in my mind, I think, is will it work out as fast as it needs to work out? Will it work out in the first four games of the season when they have three AFC North games? Or will it be a work in progress where the linebackers are trying to figure out exactly what their role is when the defense does its job? And are the safeties knowing exactly where to be and when, or will this all need some seasoning? Will it need six weeks or seven weeks to really come together? So that's the only concern that I have. Ashley, I do think it was a big issue last year um, that the defensive tackle position was so bad. Um, it, it just, it made life hard on the linebackers and you, you've got to have your front has to be able to at least slow down the run. And certainly your linebackers have to be able to come up and make plays and, I don't want to absolve them of all the blame, but that, I just think the struggles they had at D tackle and even at D end op, opposite miles Garrett, um, just, it wasn't, it didn't help these linebackers any. Right. I think it like, it created a ripple effect in a negative way almost last year. And I do think it made their job harder because it was just like, I mean, it was so porous up front in terms of the run game last year. And it was like once, it seemed like once the Falcons figured it out, that just kind of became the game plan to keep just hammering them at that D tackle spot. And again, it's like when Miles Garrett just got no kind of pass rush help, it, it made it so much easier for teams to chip block him, to double him. And it really put, I think, it showed how, how tough the situation really was there for the Browns last year in terms of the guys they had on this roster, because still no one could kind of take advantage of that and use it to get those sack numbers or get to quarterbacks. I think just by nature of that, that it kind of just shows how important I think that rebuild was, not just for that D-line room, but but for the linebackers and even for the secondary to some extent. I think Cameron Mitchell was the one when you talked to him, who was like, if you tell a corner they have to cover for two seconds instead of four, they're all going to want to take the two seconds. So I think it it it's all connected. I think I, I totally get why Jim Schwartz's philosophy is the way it is, because when you realize that, it becomes a lot easier to kind of preach that, I think. So let's look at each of these guys real quick. Obviously, we've talked a little bit about each of them as, we, as we've gone through this. But, you know, the question was about can the Browns count on each of these linebackers? Let's start with Anthony Walker. I thought sort of a pleasant surprise last year, Mary Kay, before he got hurt. Like, it seemed like Jacob Phillips was the guy they wanted to win that job. Anthony Walker ends up being the guy. I thought he, I thought he was really good. You've made the point that losing him might have been a big reason the defense struggled and the run defense struggled too last year, something we don't talk about a lot. Um, he's coming back off a serious injury. I'm trying to remember, do we see him actually on the field in the spring and drills? I don't think we yeah. did, um, yeah. but 
what what is his role? Is he back in that Mike linebacker job if he's healthy? Well, I, I think the first thing he needs to demonstrate is that he is healthy and ready to go. And that might take a little time. That torn quad injury is a very, very difficult injury to come back from. I know it firsthand because my husband has torn both of his quads, not at the same time, but at two different times. And it really is, um, it's the tendon that, that connects, you know, the top of your leg to the bottom of your leg. It's the sort of the hingy type of thing. And um, it's a tough, tough thing to come back from. Now, from everybody that I've talked to, Anthony Walker Jr. Uh, is completely on the mend and is going to be fine. And they believe that they can count on him this year. But I think that you need to kind of see that first before you can determine if he can handle a starting role and if he can handle it right away. So that's probably the number one thing uh, to try to figure out. I don't even know if he 100% knows it yet. We haven't seen him on the field. Nobody's really seen him on the field yet. So he's got to come back healthy in order to pick it up where he left off last year. And he was off to a tremendous start. And I do think it had a lot to do with the defense kind of falling apart a little because he was the quarterback of the defense, green sticker and all that kind of stuff. Um, so if, if he can do it and get back to that level, they'll be in great shape there. If not, they're going to be looking for someone else to play that role. Ashley, another guy, you mentioned him uh, towards the top, Sione Takitaki. He's coming off a torn ACL, suffered against the Texans. Of course, that was in December. Um, was walking around okay when we saw him yeah. in the spring. He was there for, for most of the program. Uh, it, I don't know, this maybe worked out a little bit in the Browns' favor because maybe they were going to have to pay Sione a little more yeah. uh, had he not, not hurt the knee. But, again, another guy sort of like Anthony – surprising, took a step forward last year and became a pretty important piece of this defense. So where does he kind of fit when he's healthy? Yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely like a starter to me. And I mean, he adds depth just by knowing that you can have him play in the middle if you need him to. But I mean, he's either the starter or if you go two guys and want to have AWOC and JOK out there. But it's like, who knows what AWOC is going to look like? And I was the first person, I mean, I wrote a column about this, I believe, after a walk sign, but it may have been even before about why I thought it was so important for them to try to bring him back. But Sione kind of proved he's like an every down kind of backer when you need him to be. I really thought we saw that improvement with him. Um, even had that, I think it was an interception or no, fumble recovery. I don't remember what it was against the Bengals when he got the dog bone in their alpha dog competition thing they were doing um, during that game. So I just think there is definitely a role for him. And like you said, I mean, Dan, I think when we talked to Sione on Locker Cleanout Day back in January, he even alluded to the fact that he knew that he probably left some money on the table because of that injury. So I think that's an unfortunate part for him. But for the Browns, maybe it's what allowed them to bring him back. Because, I mean, I would have been not surprised if he had interest from elsewhere in teams that needed linebacker help wanting to pay him because of what he showed last season if he had stayed healthy the whole way through. Mary Kay, the tricky one is Jacob Phillips, uh, 2020 draft pick. So when I entered Barry's originals, you know, I had mentioned it seemed like they wanted him to be the guy last year. Uh, the coaching staff ultimately went with Anthony Walker. Jacob got an opportunity after Anthony got hurt, struggled, uh, kind of left a bad taste. I think in, in uh, you know, the folks who were watching kind of left a bad taste in their mouths, but he's back. So what, what is his role this year? Where does he fit in all of this? Again, I think it comes down to who else is healthy where. Uh, if, if Anthony isn't ready to go, 
and ready to start at middle linebacker, then Jacob is a candidate. They, again, versatility is key. All of the linebackers are going to be able to play all the positions. Weak side, strong side, middle linebacker, they can all play all of them. So I think they will get the two best linebackers on the field at any given time. And I think it'll be very matchup driven. I think if you need somebody faster, shiftier, rangier, uh, then I think you're going to be making sure that you have JOK out there. I think if you need somebody bigger that is going to help you stop the run, then I think you're going to go with Sione Taki Taki. Um, I think Jacob Phillips is someone, once again, who can play weak side, who can cover, uh, you know, who can, who can tackle, who can blitz. Uh, so, you know, he's got the versatility to do it all. And I think you'll see some mixing and matching. And remember, Jim Schwartz doesn't know his personnel yet. And I don't think he even knows exactly how the pieces are going to fit together. Because when he watched the film from last year, a lot of those guys were injured and he did not see what they could do last year. So he needs to get them out on the field, get them out on the grass uh, and get them in some games before he can actually figure out who's doing what and when. All right. Our last guy. And we'll all we'll all kind of talk about him a little bit. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. And again, we have spent some time on him, but just we're recording. Let's say it's I don't even know when the last day of the season is. We're recording sometime in January. You're really optimistic. Maybe we're recording sometime in middle mid February. We're breaking down the Browns defense. Mary Kay, what do you think we're saying about JOK this year? Well, I hope we're saying that he's healthy. I really do hope we're saying that he's healthy because they had such high expectations for JOK and he's had a star crossed beginning to his career for a number of reasons. And I really hope for the Browns sake and for JOK's sake that he comes back strong from the midfoot sprain. Again, not an easy injury to come back from. Uh, it's one that you could go either way. You could either have it surgically repaired or you could try to go the no surgery, let it heal route. We all know that JOK tends more towards the no surgery route. That was the decision that was made. Hopefully it works out for him perfectly. Um, but that's going to be the key for him is to be able to stay on the field. He looks a little bit bigger this year than he did last year. I think that'll help him. Uh, he needs to continue to get stronger. We heard Jason Tarver say that in minicamp. He needs to continue to, uh, you know, bulk up. I mean, you go back again and you look at those pre-draft photos and he was a, a larger individual. And I think they would like him to get back to at least a little bit more strength. So that will be the key for him. Ashley, what do you think we're saying about JOK in a few months? I hope that it's that he lived up to the kind of unicorn expectations that have been hanging around him since he was drafted. And I mean, I do think his health is obviously a big part of that. More so his rookie year than last year. It it also just is so unfortunate because so many of those injuries he had were so fluky, like the weight lifting incident where he dropped the weight on his head and had to miss practice time because of that, the ankle injury he had. Um, and then last year, you know, ending it with the foot injury. And of course, too, it's like you you want him to succeed because of everything else he's also had to deal with. And we've mentioned it on here, the unfortunate um, tragedy that he went through last offseason when his brother was murdered and everything he's had to deal with with that as well. You know, I think there's still there's been a lot that has hindered him throughout his the early part of his career, but he's still, I think you've seen the flashes of what he can be. So for me, I hope we're saying that he found a way to make those flashes the norm and that this is the guy that, 
you know, everyone envisioned when he was drafted. Okay, there we go. Some linebacker talk here on Orange and Brown Talk. As we continue our 23 questions series, you'll see all those stories at cleveland.com slash browns. Uh, that's also where you can become a football insider subscriber. The blue banner at the top of the page, you get a newsletter, you become one of our texters, you get access to those stories uh, that are behind that paywall. And also, just get subscribed to this podcast. I told you about the stuff we have coming up here in the next few weeks, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and make sure you leave us some reviews there as well. And check out our YouTube channel. Search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube to find us. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.